0: This fall, New Yorkers will be asked to vote on two changes to the state constitution, including language dealing with small city school districts and their ability to carry additional debt. To discuss this proposal, we're joined by Assemblymember John McDonald, a Capital Region Democrat who sponsored the constitutional change. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember.
1: David, it's good to be with you.
0: So your legislation would change the state constitution's restrictions on small city school districts and their ability to exceed a debt limitation of 5% of the average full valuation of taxable property, essentially the the wealth in a district, for borrowing for school capital projects. Uh, before we get to the new constitutional language, can you explain how the current language works in practice? What does it mean for small city school districts trying to spend money on capital projects? And, and what exactly constitutes a quote-unquote small city school district.
1: There are 57 small city school districts um, throughout New York state in the, in the infamous 108th assembly district, which I have the honor of representing it's Cahos, Troy, Rensselaer and Waterville. Uh, they are districts less than 125,000 people and they are scattered throughout the state of New York. Uh, currently the way things operate, there's a, there's an inequity between the small city school districts in the large school districts. Right? The large school districts have through legislation a ten percent debt limit. For a long time, several decades, these small cities have this five percent debt limit. And it's antiquated. You know, to give you an idea of how antiquated is, since that was accepted, at some time our our fathers thought in the nineteen seventies it'd be a good idea for the public to vote on school budgets and and capital budgets. And they put that in place back in the 70s. However, they never thought to say, well, why don't we level up and make sure that small city school districts are treated just as equally and equitably as large city school districts when it comes to borrowing? Because at the end of the day, the actual voter makes that decision whether they're going to approve that capital project or not. That was not in place when this 5% was put in. So the amendment, simply the amendment that we're talking, and there's a there's a there's a part B to this conversation. The amendment basically states that small city school districts debt limit be the same as large city school districts. That's the intention of the amendment. Correspondingly to that, this past legislative session, Member Shelley Mayer and myself both passed a piece of legislation that kind of accompanies this referendum and basically says if the debt limit is to be removed that is in the Constitution as it is now, then small city school districts' debt limit will be set at 10%. So it's kind of, it it accompanies what we're trying to do. In other words, remove that language so that way, and basically the language kind of can be scary. It says, well, it removes the debt limit. Some people say, well, we can't have that, and I agree with that, but what we're trying to do is remove that language, so we remove the debt limit, but also add in that component that says small city school districts will be at 10%, just like large city. The other thing that's part of this, David, and I know I covered a lot there, but the other thing that's important is currently if a large district, let's say Shen, for example, Let's let's say Syracuse goes out to do a capital project. As you know, the state is actually very generous with capital aid. So say, for example, Syracuse is going out with a $100 million project and $90 million will be in aid. They're able to include that aid in the debt cap calculation, whereas small city school districts can't. So say Carlos is going out. With a $10 million project, of which $9 million is going to be aidable, when they go out to do their borrowing, they have to calculate a $10 million project versus a $1 million, because the $1 million is what the local taxpayers are responsible for.
0: Yeah, I I think people uh, who have uh, voted on a school budget and maybe have followed the news in their local paper, if that still exists, are probably familiar with this idea. But I want to hammer home something you brought up, which is... The change in which budgets have been adopted for small city school districts since this current language was utilized. So if there is a, a capital project that a small city school district is looking to embark on, what sort of say will voters have on that type of spending that they might not have had 70 years ago, so to speak?
1: Well, the say, the say in, this, in this case is the same as they've had since the 70s. They are able to go in, just like they do for a school budget, vote yay or nay. And on the capital project, the same thing, vote yay or nay. The board has to approve it and then put it before the, the voters. There is no skirting the issue by any stretch of the imagination, which I think is appropriate. You know, at the end of the day, it's incumbent upon the administration and the board to put together a proposal That is sensitive to the taxpayers' needs, but at the same token, sensitive to the children's educational needs as well.
0: What would be the ramification of maintaining the status quo?
1: The reality is if you're making school districts, you're continuing to further school districts being inefficient. Instead of doing one large project where economies of scale could be gained, where things like bonding costs, engineering costs, architectural costs can be contained. You're basically breaking up a $100 million project into five $20 million projects. That's an illustrative example. Um, so therefore, you go through the process five different times. Bonding agents get their fees. Lawyers get their fees. Engineers and architects get their fees. Is, I don't want this to come across as this is going to be a great savings of taxpayer dollars. However taxpayers will continue to pay more on a per project basis than if they could put together a larger project so they can get more done. You know, I think, um, and I think it's becoming more difficult as, as contractors are fewer and fewer. Um, the reality is you want to make sure you go out there with a project where you can, once again, balance the needs of the children with the taxpayers. Well, there's savings to be had to your point.
0: We haven't heard much uh, about this proposed change from uh, elected leaders or school districts up to this point. Are you hoping for some sort of coordinated push for this leading up to uh, election day? Or is this the kind of thing that has a better chance of getting approved the fewer people maybe even realize that it's on the ballot?
1: I think it needs greater awareness. I've had conversations with all of the education partners, you know, behind the education partners, the whole consortium is supportive. Obviously, the superintendents, the school boards, the unions, everybody is on the same page. What is concerning to me is this is a white turnout year. And sometimes people are hesitant to vote on a referendum, or if they don't really understand it, if they see it, they just vote no. Uh, there was an op ed recently that was published in the Times Union. Um, I've shared that similar language with all of my senate and assembly colleagues on both sides of the aisle in both houses to maybe use that as a model for inclusion in their local press resources and at the same token my understanding is there is a very heavy emphasis with the new york city union particularly because that's where the big elections are this year is in new york city we're trying to get the word out and my understanding is the education partners are bringing it forward as well and to be honest with you you know, trying to bring this up poolside with somebody in the middle of July is kind of a topic that's not really on anyone's radar screen. So I think we're right in the sweet spot of bringing greater attention.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Assemblymember John McDonald. He is a Capital Region Democrat. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. And listeners, remember to flip your ballot over.
1: David, thank you for your time, as always. For Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local, state, and federal government entities at WGPFoundation.org.